Cuts from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Good morning. Welcome to church. God bless you. Nice to have you. Um, it's a beautiful Sunday morning and God has a word for each of us. Um, I want to bring up my friend, Dr. Esther Longe. Um, she's, she's an amazing woman, founder of the 7000 Conference. And uh, she has like several ministries. One of them is called the Alternative Business School. Uh, where she uses godly principles to teach people how to run business and life. She is actually very, very inspirational. She spoke here last year at uh, what does true love, does true love exist? If you remember uh, that conference on marriage, she and her husband Oti, who is also my very good friend. So please make her feel very warmly welcome as she brings the word today. Thank you so much, Pastor Mo. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hi, hi, hi. You know, there's a reason why I call Pastor Mo my favorite pastor. And I grew up in church, so I don't take that lightly. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Mo. Thank you. And it's good to see all your beautiful faces. Pastor Idy, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let's pray. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you've already started through the worship. I thank you, Lord, for how you're already speaking to our hearts. We ask, O oh God, that your voice be amplified over all our doubts, over all our fears, over all our shortcomings, perceived shortcomings. Amplify your voice, O oh God, until it's only your voice that we hear bidding us to come. And Father, O oh God, we ask that not only will we hear your voice, but activate our feet to come onto the water, to come and fellowship with you into the deep, further and further, deeper and deeper, into the fullness of everything that you have called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. You know, um, I think I've been thoroughly, thoroughly blessed by the worship, and I didn't realize how much I'd missed being in this kind of environment. You know, as they say, God punished COVID, you know, because <laughs> this is like the first time I've actually been in physical church since the pandemic started um, but today I want to share with us on a topic called trust and obey the value of a surrendered life and I'm going to be sharing from my man Gideon in Judges 6 you know um, the story of Gideon is actually one of my favorites I have many favorites in the Bible it's actually one of my favorites and I think it was only when I became older that I realized that some of the teachings I had heard about Gideon had actually done the man a disservice, right? Because every time you talk about Gideon, they're like, coward, asking God for sign upon sign upon sign. But then when I looked at my own life, I'm like, hello, it's like I'm also Gideon, you know? And I feel like there's so many of us who have been Gideon, you know? But this story is not so much about Gideon as it is about the Father's heart for us. Because when we think about when God is calling us into the deep, we are more often than not overwhelmed with our thoughts of, Lord, are you really sure? Is it me you are calling? Why are you calling me? As in, did you not see the other children that are doing great things for you on Instagram? Why me? You know, and Lord, have you not seen my bank account? Have you not seen this? Have you not seen that? And there's so many things that we bring to God to make the case for why it cannot be us that he is calling. But as I've seen it in my personal life, and I know that we have these examples of how God has come through for us phenomenally, 
we know that God who has come through in the past is more than able to do it right now and in the future. But sometimes we just need a reminder. And so today is going to serve by the grace of God as a reminder and an activation. Because as I was sitting down in worship, God said to me that there's no carryover. There are some things that God has said that we should do this year. And we're like, Lord, I don't know if your angels have seen that this 2020 has been a... <laughs> so if you don't mind, let's just cancel 2020 and continue next year. And God is like, there's no carryover. 2021 has its own um, instructions. It has its own blessings. This year is not over until God says it's over. And so God says that if you will partner with him, if you will say yes, you will be overwhelmed by what you will see him do. Amen. I have study Bible, so it's not like I didn't have Bible, but that thing is very hefty. So I'm going to use my phone. Please don't judge me. <laughs> um, and so we're going to be reading from Judges 6. The story of um, Gideon actually goes from 6 to 8, Judges 6 to 8. But um, I don't have that much time, so I'm going to speed through some verses and highlight them as I go. And so when we look at Judges, um, or the story of Gideon, we have to realize that there was a bigger picture. So before we meet um, Gideon in the wine press, there has something, there's something that has happened before that. And so I'll read from verse 1, and it says, But the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven, day, seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made themselves the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever Israel had sown their seed, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the crops, the crops as far as Gaza and leave no nourishment for Israel and no ox or sheep or donkey. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came like locusts for multitude. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so they wasted the land as they entered it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the Israelites cried to the Lord. And when they cried to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and who said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And so we see that the stage is set. Something has already happened before the angel of the Lord comes to see Gideon. The people of Israel have cried out for a deliverer. And so many times when God calls us, we have the mistaken impression that God is calling us because it is about us. Many times the things that God will have us do are a response to a cry from a people. The people that God has called us to deliver. And I know that we can say, oh, if we don't do it, God will raise somebody else. But the truth of the matter is nobody can do what God has called you to do the way that you would do it. And so there's a vacuum. And even though somebody else can come alongside and minister to the same set of people, there is something that God has put inside of you, your spiritual DNA, that when you speak to the people that God has called you to speak to, something in their lives is activated. They come alive and they are delivered from the shackles that bind and so there is Gideon in the wine press, misplaced, because you do not thresh wheat in the wine press. In fact, when I was reading it, it says it's actually one of the most impossible tasks to do, because the best place to thresh wheat is outside, so that the chaff can go. 
So imagine you are because of fear, because of experiences, because of enemies. You are hiding. You have limited yourself. And you're like, do you know what, God? Let me just day my day here. Let me do what I can do inside of this wine press. It's not the best place, but I'm going to make the best of a bad situation. And so he's there doing what he's doing. And then the angel of the Lord comes and sits down. And he's looking at him. And then he now looks up. And then he says to him in verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Amplified says, you mighty man of fearless courage. <laughs> it's just like Gideon didn't want to abuse the angel because it's like, it's like is there somebody else you are seeing here? As in, if I'm so courageous, can you explain to me why I'm here in the wine press threshing wheat? <laughs> angel of the Lord said, are you seeing what I'm not seeing? Because I'm the only one here, you know? And then he's like, even if, Let's just say, maybe that's how you greet where you're coming from. You know, everybody gets mighty man of valor and everything. Okay, that's nice, you know. But he says, um, if the Lord, in fact, he didn't say the Lord is with us. He said, the Lord is with you. He said, but if the Lord is with us, why is all this befalling us? And please, where are all the wondrous works of which our fathers told us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And so there are many times when God will show up, and there's no time, have you ever noticed, when you ask God, tell me about myself, that he's told you, I see you like an aunt, or I see you as a grand. Have you ever told you that? Many times he tells you stuff and you're like, obviously it is my mind because I'm not the person that he's describing, right? But you've never asked God, tell me about myself, and he'll tell you, no. He will tell you, paint a picture for you that you're like, this is not me, I don't feel like this person that you're calling. Because God will always address us based on our heavenly identity, not on what experience has taught us to think or to feel or to be. And you'll find that a lot of times, the experiences that we've had are in direct opposition to who God has said we will be. And so you'll find that if God has called you to be a healer, many times you may have struggled with, with personal sickness. Or you have prayed for somebody and the person died and you're like, hello. <laughs> Don't be angry, but maybe the Lord used to walk jiggers. Maybe he will provide for me, maybe he will keep me safe, but when it comes to healing, maybe, he's, maybe he just doesn't do that for me. Or God will say, um, I want you to love people. And it's those very people that will break your heart into 100 million pieces. And you're like, do you know what? I love you, Lord, but people, mm -mm, I'm not doing people. But then, no matter how much you want to fight it, there is something inside of you that lets you know that I can't shake it. That's why you find that even when you don't want to respond to somebody's need, you'll just be drawn to it. And if they happen to bite your hand, you'll be like, I knew better than this. But it's almost like you can't control yourself because there is something inside of you. God has planted a homing beacon inside of you that is attracted to your destiny in him. In fact, as an aside, I always laugh in my heart, of course, when we sing songs like, break my heart for what breaks yours. Because we sing it, we'll now be crying. You don't know that you're setting yourself up. That's your contract. Listen, you have told God, break my heart. So when you're now breaking your heart, what breaks is, you're like, ah, what is it? And it's like, well, you sang it, you cried it, you knelt down, you worshipped. You said, break my heart for what breaks yours. So this is what we're doing here. And you're like, no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying exactly. It was like, God, you know, God loves those kind of songs. Like, yes, sing it, sing it well. Raise your hand in surrender. Yes, kneel down. Let me know. Yes, we are, you really mean it, right? Monday, let's go. 
so, so, Boragideon, let's go back to Boragideon, please. Boragideon is there. He's saying, Angel, hi. Where is the Lord? Where is the Lord in 2020? I was at watch night service. They prophesied. This is the year where you see double vision. This is the year where, you know, I mean, dawn of a new decade. Leap here. You are leaping into leaps and bounds. And it's like, what well, I've leapt into. You're like, what's going on? Where are you, God? Where are you? And then you promised us this. You promised us that. And we've seen this and that. Everything in opposition. Where are you? <laughs> and a lot of times for us to be able to move into what God has called us to move into, we have to have that honest conversation. Because listen, the Holy Spirit, or sorry, the angel of the Lord did not slap him and say, excuse me, how dare you, did you not hear me? No, he listened to him. He let him have his say. He didn't cut him short and say, shh, don't say that. Because guess what? God knows you're thinking it anyway. So bring it to him. Have that honest conversation and say, Lord, I know you're asking me to do this. I know you're asking me to step out in faith. But honestly speaking, I'm not doubting you, but 2020, has been a decade of a year. So Lord, can you just tell me where were you? I'm not, we're not fighting. Just let me know. And God loves it because some of his best friends in the Bible where people are able to have honest conversations with him. David, a man after his own heart, will call him, uh, but uh, Godwin here, play the piano. Sister Annie, come and sing to the tune of Michael Jackson's Human Nature. Sorry, to the tune of Asap's Sound. Why, oh, why, why have you forsaken me, Lord? Is there now? Is it not, not in the Psalms? It's there. He was singing. But by the time he finishes, he's like, okay, Lord, I will yet trust in you. So he knew the value of being vulnerable or being open or being, of telling God, I know how, I know how he's doing me. I want you to know because you're my friend. But by the time I pour it out to you, I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that you will come through. I know that you will be there for me because I've seen you do it. And so he has this conversation with God. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this your might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? I was almost in tears when they were singing this last song, you know, that there's nothing, that what God cannot, what God cannot do does not exist. But we sing it, do we believe it? Because if we believed in them, we realized that if he has sent us, we can go. Go in this might of yours. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like you're mighty. If he has said it, then it's there. Go. Have I not sent you? Many times, all the backing that we need is for heaven to say, go. Go. Go, because you're the deliverer that this nation needs. You're the deliverer that your family needs. You're the deliverer that your, your town needs. You're the deliverer that your industry needs. Go. Go. They're waiting for you. Go. And then he now says to him again, and that's why I love Gideon. Because again, like, I'm, now that I have this audience, now that you are here, you came to sit down, I was here by myself. I need to tell you everything that is inside of my heart. He says, how can I deliver Israel? Behold, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. So when you even look, if you're looking at people to send, maybe you will send, you know, say, my father is not Dangote or Tejuge, but he's not, what's the other song? He's not, he's not Gando. Eh, eh, you know, but how they okay? We're not okay in my family. They are the poorest. Do you know We're not okay. We're not okay. And I, even in that house, Seth, I'm now the least. So how am I supposed to go? 
Because if you remember, um, last time I checked, the Midianites were like locusts. So, me, locusts. <laughs> and then the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. And you shall smite the Midianites as one man. What God cannot do does not exist. The Lord said to him, I've said that already, Gideon said to him, <laughs> okay, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talks with me. Do not leave here, I pray you, until I return to you and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you return. Then Gideon went in and prepared a kid. Other version says a young goat. Anyway, and, an, and on living cakes of an ephah of flour. When I researched it, listen, guys, for someone who says he comes from the poorest clan and the least in his father's house, please explain to me, where did he get a goat in farming, right? Because the Midianites were wasting the land. Where did he get this goat? Exactly, where did he get this goat? And this effort of flour is a bushel of flour. It's big, it's plenty of flour. But he's like, if I have an audience with God, I cannot give him what costs me nothing. And so, for all we know, that may have been their prized possession. That's what they are looking to. They have hidden it somewhere. But like, God is here. I must give him something that is worthy of his presence. And so he brings it and he presents it. And the angel of the Lord take the meat and the unleavened cakes and lay them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And there fled up fire from the rock. Fire from the rock. Fire from the rock. And consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I'm like, you're just realizing that it was the angel of the Lord since. <laughs> I'm like, I think that maybe the fire from the rock should have been like a clue, right? That um, this is not an ordinary encounter, you know? And so the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so he builds an altar to the Lord and says, the Lord is peace. And so that night, the Lord said to Gideon, and I want us to pay attention to this. Take your father's bow, the second bow, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah symbol of the goddess of Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold with stones laid in proper order. Then take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the Asherah which you have cut down. Our God is a God of specific instructions. A lot of times we get into trouble when God says go and you don't stop and ask, how should I go? And so you go because God said I should do this. And then you hit a brick wall and you're like, but God, did you not say I should do this? Did I not hear properly? That's always our first reaction. Did I hear wrong? I don't think that's the question. The question is, am I doing it wrong? Because if you look at kings, if you look at first kings, second kings, whenever kings will go to battle, they will always ask God this question. Should I go? How should I go? Regardless of whether the enemy was at the gates. It's almost like a ridiculous question. Of course, there are enemies. You should go. No, but they're like, God, if you don't go with us, there's no point in us going. So should we go? And if we should go, please give us the strategy for how to go. When God said, bring down the, tower, um, the, the altars of Baal, why didn't you just say, go and bring it now and then offer a sacrifice? No, he was very specific. Give me the seven-year-old bull. Give me this. Pull this down. Order the stones like this. When God is giving you an instruction, before you rush out and do it, ask him, how would you have me do this? 
Because for every instruction that God gives, he has made provision. He has given you the resources for everything that he has asked you to do. If you would do it according to his plan, according to the template, according to the blueprint that he has laid out for you. So God is a very specific God. He knows how to do it. And he was willing to tell you if you will stay the extra time in his presence. Well, not what you want to rush and do. Just give me the instruction. When I get stuck, I'll come back. I was like, no, let me tell you how to do it. Precept upon precept, line upon line. And so Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. And God did not mind. He didn't mind. Even if we're obeying in the dark, just obey. Just obey. Because God knows that this journey of obedience is through relationship. The more we lean into God, the more we see him help us, come through for us, the more we're able to take bolder steps. Before he asked him to go and fight the Midianites, he said, let's start with the, the enemies in your father's house first. Let's start, down with, let's start with the altars in your father's house first. Let's use that one as practice. If you can do that, then your courage will be built and then we can continue on the next and the next and the next. And so they do that, they bring down the altar and then they wake up in the morning, the people of his village, and they're like, what is going on here? Who did this? And he said, Gideon had done it. And he said, bring him, let him die. Now, a lot of us were like, um, <laughs> Dad, this is why we don't used to answer you when you say we should come. Because if we do this kind of thing, you know, People should have been cheering and saying, wow, 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 Gideon, wow, now, the man you be, you are so strong, so mighty, wow, so nice. Why are you asking for my life? Like, I'm obeying God. Why are you not coming for me? I'm saying this so that you can break certain strongholds that may have been formed when we have stepped out with God, and then we feel like we didn't get the reaction that we thought we would get. Because many times when we read these stories in the Bible, we should ask, ask ourselves, why did God put it here? Why is it important for him to outline Gideon's journey to us? It's not just an interesting story. He's showing us a template of how walking with him can be. It's not just enough to say, come and walk on the water. Because you know that if you're walking on water, you're a crazy person, right? Have you ever seen anybody walking on water before? It sounds nice. I want to walk on water with you. But listen, people looking at you are going to look crazy. Because nobody walks on water until you do. And so God raised for him a defender in his father. Now one said, let Baal come and fight for himself. And then they now renamed him based on that. They started calling him Jerubabal. Jerubabal. And it's funny because in chapter 7 and chapter 8, they say Jerubabal. And I'm like, uh -uh, why, why is that the name you're now calling him? But that was the name. And it says in verse 31, But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal or will you save him? He will contend for Baal. Let him be put to death while it is still morning. If Baal is a god... Let him contend for himself, because one has pulled down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he called Gideon Jerubabal, or Jerubabal, meaning, let Baal contend against him, because he has pulled down his altar. And then the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, crossing the Jordan, encamped in the valley of Jezreel. So it's like the enemy now gained ground, came and sat opposite the Israelites. It's time for the final showdown. But the Spirit of the Lord, verse 34, clothed Gideon with himself and took possession of him and he blew a trumpet and the clan of Abiezer was gathered to him. Many times we look at ourselves and think about what we have or we don't have 
but literally God just wants someone that he can wear. Exactly. So he doesn't really care about what you think you have or don't have. He just cares for you to be available, willing, and ready for him to clothe himself with you. And when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he blew a trumpet and people came. There's something that happens when God's hand is upon you, when God has won you. People will be attracted to what is inside of you. They will come. Regardless of how you see yourself, they see somebody, they see somebody that God is using and then resources start to come. And so from different places they come to the point where at the end of that, there are 32,000 people following him. He said so in Judges 7. 32,000 people following him and he's like, where are we going? And for a lot of us, there are people who are depending on us, following us. We're influencing them in some way or the other. And we're like, I'm still trying to even find where I'm going in life. Why are you following me? <laughs> because they can see what you can't. They can see that God's hand is upon your life. And they're aligning themselves with you. But it's time for your own eyes to be open. It's time for you to see what God sees. It's time for you to see what everybody else is seeing and begin to walk in your heavenly identity. And so he now sees 32,000 people following him, and it's like, <laughs> even though you are following me, we still have these army of locusts. They're not locusts, they're actually human beings, but they look like locusts because of how many they were covering the sand. What difference is 32,000 people going to make against this large army? And so he's like, God, please don't be angry, but I'm here again. You know, um, one of the things that in my journey, me and God are still working out is, you know, I don't know if you've been in these prayer meetings before when people will say, oh, I just see, I just see angels, I just see angelic presence. Can you feel them? Can you see them? Have you, have someone I've seen the angel, I'm very sure, you know? <laughs> and they were like, can you see the angels? And I'm like, angel, where are you? You know, am I not a Christian anymore? Open my eyes, oh Lord, let me see the angels. Because we feel like, and some of us are like, we're waiting like, Father, maybe that's all I need to see. I just need to see angels and I'll know that Lord you're real, I can follow you. But Gideon saw angel. Okay, Father, I want a divine encounter. I want you to do something miraculous. I just want to know that you are for me. But every one of us has a story of the miraculous in our lives. Even the fact that we have survived 2020 is a miracle in itself. And so we're asking God for sign upon sign, wonder upon wonder, but he's given them to us. But God also knows that sometimes, and that's why for him, intimacy trumps signs and wonders. Because after a while, the buzz of the sign and the wonder will wear off. And then we'll be back there in the place of fear saying, okay, God, you're asking me to do something else. I'm going to need you to come and help me. Show me again that you're with me. And God was patient. He didn't say, but I showed you fire, but I spoke to you face to face. But I was with you. I told you all these things. It's like, no, because I realized that it's from glory to glory. I realized that this was enough to get you over the problems in your father's house. Now it's time for you to tackle the problems in the nation. So you're going to need more. And so Gideon now said to him, he says, if you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said, listen, I'm going to put a fleece on the wool on the threshing floor. If there is wool on the fleece alone and dry on the ground, then I know that it's you. God did it. Okay. Maybe the roof was leaking. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, uh, okay, just don't be angry. Let's go again. Please, he said, let not your anger be kindled against me. And I'll speak about this once. 
let me do this. Let, let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did it. And there was, it was dry on the fleece alone and there was dew on the ground. I'm like, okay, okay, you're with me. Let's go. And so um, they wake up in the morning and they are ready. And God says, mm -mm, there are too many. I say, too many to do what, sir? <laughs> As in particular, what, what, what do you mean there are too many? There are too many. Like, there are too many. Because I don't want Israel to boast about themselves against me, saying my own hand has delivered me. I was like, but we're not going to boast before because we're still under-resourced. And he's like, no, I want this to be so clear that it's me that did it. And so for some of us, you know, I, please, please, I hope this is encouraging you today. Because you're looking at your bank account and God's asking you to do something phenomenal. And you're like, sir, even if I join all the savings I have in this life, it cannot do this thing. And God's like, I don't need your savings. Lord, even if I gather all my family members, they cannot even fill one quarter of this room. I don't need your family members. I don't want anybody to say that they are the ones that did this for you. The glory must go back to me. And so he says, whoever is afraid and trembling, please go. So out of the 32, 22,000 left. <laughs> As in, I'm not understanding. As in, when people came, what do you think you're coming to do? Do you get when you surrounded me? Like, what, what are you doing? How can 22,000 leave? That's like two thirds of the army. No, no. As in, but even you guys, just think about how demoralizing it will be. Do you get like, like now, Pastor Mo will now stand here and say, okay, guys, I want us to go for, I want us to, what should we do? I want us to put outreach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they stand here, but if you don't feel like going, you can go. All of a sudden, <laughs> you're like, at least we'll pretend you get, and as we're going out of the gates, go, go to your house. And why would you do that to me? Like, how am I going to feel, you know, about it? And they left him all. They're like, sorry, we didn't come for, we didn't come to die. You know, life is but once. <laughs> and so there are 10,000 left. And God says there's still too much. Aha. Uh -huh. You will now understand this movie that was Gideon's life. It's like, I want to say, next time, when you hear about Gideon, when we even see him in heaven, I don't want you to give, just be like, you tried. Thank you for setting the stage for us. <laughs> 10,000 is, is too much. Anyway, does another test. So test upon test upon test. Reducing, refining. I don't even know what the significance is of them. So you have to, if you copy it with your mouth, instead of lapping like a dog, you are the ones, until it's like 300, and this was not Sparta. No, 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 no. No. What's Sparta? <laughs> Ah, as in Gideon is like, um, <clears throat> okay, obviously you have called me to sacrifice my life here because this is not going to work. 300 people against this. And then God now says to him, he says, come. That night, he said, come, go down to their camp for I've given it to you. But if you fear, go down with Pura, your servant, down to the camp. Why was it important for Gideon to go with a witness? Because if Gideon had gone by himself and had the encounter that he had, he would have said, I didn't hear. Or maybe I'm even sleepwalking. Maybe it's a dream. But I like, go with the witness. And so even on your journey in obedience, it's important to surround yourselves with like-minded people who can encourage you and hear when you can't hear for yourself. Imagine, we see that even the life of Mary. 
God said, blessed her, you highly favored her. She's sweeping the compound. She's like, blessed, favored. I'm sweeping this compound. You saw me, right? You know? And then he's like, go, you'll be with child. I've never been with a man before. Here's a sign for you. Your barren cousin, she's with child. Say no more, Lord. I'm going there. And she went and she was there for three months. Women, we know, that's the first trimester. Why? Why was it important for her to go and hide herself in that place where she was hearing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, prophecies being spoken over her for the first trimester of her pregnancy? Because if she had stayed in her father's house, they would have used their mouth to kill that child before it was even born. And so she stayed until the first trimester was done and then she came back stronger, ready to do everything that God had asked her to do. We need to find the right company and stay there. Be careful even who you share your dreams with. Because people, some people can be dream killers. Tell it to the right people and they will encourage you. They will encourage you. They will encourage you to be everything that God has called you to be. So many dreams have been aborted even before they had a chance to show any sign of life because they were spoken to the wrong people. And they used their experiences, their fear, their trembling to kill what God was birthing in the person. God knew that those 300 people were the strongest, the most aligned with God. And like, do you know what? I'd rather have 300 than 32,000 people. As long as their hearts are right, as long as their hearts are in alignment with God, give me 300 over the crowd. So for those of us who are looking for numbers to prove that we are relevant, to prove that God has called us, to prove that we have a platform, God is saying it's better for you to have a few than to have people who will be following you, trembling and depleting the call of God on your life, depleting the dream of God over your life. You only need a few because God is with you. He has sent you. And so they go to the camp of the Midianites and listen to this dream. A man is telling his friend, they don't tell us the name of the man because it's not relevant. He's telling his friend in the camp of the Midianites, I dreamt a dream and behold, a cake of barley bread came to the tent, struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so the tent lay flat. <laughs> bread, tent, flat. Okay, thank you. Then the comrade said, ah, it's nothing else but the sword of Gideon. Just in case there are other Gideons in Midian. No, son of Gideon, son of Joash, man of Israel. So he said, this is the name of the person. This is the family that he belongs to. This is his address. So you have no reason to say they're not talking about me. Maybe there are many Gideons in Midian. You know, just like Femi is a common name or maybe you get Gideon is a common name with the Midianites. No, he's like, no. Mm -mm. Son of Joash, man of Israel, into his hand God has given Midian and all the hosts. When he heard this, this was all Gideon needed. This was that if you're going to be so specific, so exact, that you will send me to the camp of the enemy, that you will use even my enemy to prophesy over my life, then there's nothing you cannot do. God will send the unlikeliest people to insert and infuse courage into you. God has spoken to me before through American Idol. That's what I knew that there's nothing God cannot do. God can use the most unlikeliest things to encourage you. And he heard this and he worshipped. And he's like, you know what? Let's go. God is with us. And then they now start to shout, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. What was that? A cry of partnership. Gideon had aligned himself with God and now they were partnering together. And it says that the Midianites started to turn against each other and that's how they were decimated. What God cannot do does not exist. It's time for us to align. 
it's time for us to partner with God. And I want to introduce you to who I call Gideon 2.0. Because by chapter 8, on his way, chasing the princes of Midian, I call them Z and Z, because their names are quite long. He was chasing them. He went to Shechem. He said, please give me some food, because we need work. We need some resuscitation. We are chasing these kings. And they said, hello, why will you give you food? Come and leave this place. And I said, huh. Before God and man, I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill you people. I'm like, Gideon, is this you? Where did this courage come from? He went to Penuel. They said the same thing. He said, I'm going to hang you from the tower. I'm like, Gideon, is it not you that two chapters ago were just begging you to come? Have... But there was something that had happened walking with God. Boldness had come upon him. He had seen that, you know what? If God is for me, if God is with me, nothing and no one can be against me. And he went and he came back. And he killed the people of Shechem, he killed the people of Penuel. Because he kept his word. And so when we're looking at people, when we're looking at people who are obeying God and living their lives for God, they didn't just start there overnight. It was a journey of several steps. With God reinforcing it every step of the way. And God is saying that if you are willing, if you are ready, he's ready to go on this journey with you. He will deliberately under-resource you for the journey so that you will not be able to say it is your, it is your um, qualifications, your family's connections, your money, or whatever it is, even your looks. He will make you the unlikeliest candidate so that at the end of the day, not only does it bring glory back to him, but it encourages other people who are watching you to let them know that if this person can do it, so can I. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. Because because of Gideon stepping out with God, his people had peace for 40 years. Whose peace is dependent on your obedience? Whose peace is dependent on your obedience? It's time for us to step out in faith. More than ever, the world is covered in deep darkness. Isaiah 60 verse 2. Deep darkness has covered the world. But you know why God isn't concerned about the deep darkness covering the world? Because he already given us Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise and shine. It's a command. If you arise, if you shine, if all of us arise and we shine, guess what is going to be dissipated? The darkness. And so instead of us complaining and saying, oh my God, this world is this, is that, is this, is so dark, is so this, is so that. It's time for you to stand up. Because the glory is not going to be risen upon you. The glory is already risen upon you. People can see this glory. They tell you about the glory all the time. They're like, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't feel like this person. But God is like, this is who you are in heaven. It's time for you to align here on earth. If each of us shone our light in the dimensions that God is asking us to shine our light, guess what? Nobody's going to ask if there is God. Nobody's going to ask, where is our God? Where are the testimonies of old? They won't have to ask because we'll be walking it, we'll be showing them it. And that is the power evangelism that God wants us to walk in. Signs and wonders. Where our lives become manifestations of what God has said concerning this world. The devil is not winning. God is not going to come down and fight. He has already empowered us with everything that we need. He's given us the keys. So instead of saying, God, I need you, I need you, it's like, you, you have me, get up, do it, I've sent you. I've sent you. There are books that need to be written, he sent you. There are businesses that need to be started, he sent you. There are people that need to be ministered to, 
He sent you. Songs that need to be written, He sent you. He sent you. He sent you. You don't need anything other than that, that He has sent you. Because as we have seen with Gideon, the resources of heaven will back you up. God is for you, and nothing and no one can be against you. Does not mean the journey is going to be easy. Doesn't mean that it's going to be without his hiccups. Doesn't mean I'm not going to come for your life. But God will always make a way of escape. And years after, they'll be talking about you and your impact because you dare to obey God. Because you dare to align yourself with God. Why else are we talking about Gideon more than 2,000 years after? Because he obeyed. Even though he didn't feel qualified, even though he didn't feel like he was big enough, he was tough enough, he was built enough, he was mighty enough. But God knew that inside of him was a mighty man of valor. It's time for us to ask God, who do you say that I am? And then begin to walk in your heavenly identity. May God bless us in Jesus' name. And so before I leave, I just feel that I need to just, as a sign of faith, as a prophetic act. If there's something that God has asked you to do that you have been um, procrastinating on, that you have been disqualifying yourself on, that you have been saying, God, if you really want me to do this, I need this, I need that, I need this. As a sign of faith, just a tiny yes, I just want you to just rise where you are just rise in surrender. Just rise and just say, God, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. If you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use Gideon, you can use me. I am available. I am willing. I am ready. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know when we're going to do this. But if you have said it, then I say yes. And God who sees you today, he's going to blow your mind. It's going to be tiny steps of obedience. It's going to go, sometimes go left to come right. But whatever it is, at the end of the day, you will look back and say, God, only you could have done this. And so I just want to pray over your beautiful children, oh God. Even as they have stood up as a witness to what you are calling them to do. I ask, O oh Father, that you will empower them. I ask, O oh God, that you will surround them with encouragement on the days when they feel like, I can't do this, or oh Lord, I don't feel strong enough. I pray, O oh God, that you will come down and visit with them. You will empower their hearts. You will encourage them. I ask, O oh God, that you begin to align the right company around them, O oh God. I ask, O oh God, that you begin to activate the words, the instructions you have given to them. Father, may they hear you clearly, O oh God. May they hear you clearly. Tell them what to do, O oh God, in clear executive orders, clear concise orders, O oh God, on what to do and how to do it. And I thank you, Father, because I know that their names, not only are they written in your books, but they'll be written in the books of history because they have aligned themselves with you and they have stood up, even as a generation that serves you, that pleases you, and that wants to see your rule and your reign enthroned even in this nation and this world. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. 
Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 